0: I still want you. Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we are talking about the season two finale of Vampire Diaries, season two, episode 22. And it is called As I Lay Dying, because for most of it, Damon is at death's door. As are a number of people. Death is knocking multiple times in this episode. And Luckily, no one lets him in this time. (laughs) What's funny about this end of season is that episode 21 feels very much like a finale. It's very much the culmination of the entire season. So you're kind of like, what the fuck is there another episode for? And they show you what there's another episode for and they make it worth it. They make it worth it. And they do a good job of not only, you know, helping kind of wrap up. Okay, this season is over. We've made it through this chapter, but we're also setting up, Like none of this is over yet. Mm -hmm. So as always, we'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. While Mystic Falls presents a screening of Gone with the Wind in the town square, Damon's memories of Catherine in 1864 mix with the reality of Elena in the present day. Stefan pays a terrible personal price for his attempt to prevent a tragedy, and Sheriff Forbes makes a deadly mistake while trying to keep everyone safe. More than one life hangs in the balance as the consequences of the sacrifice ritual play out to a horrifying conclusion. A lot of people are in trouble today. But we start the episode pretty calmly at the Gilbert house. Elena is watching Jeremy sleep and he is sleeping like a baby. Like, bro, your aunt got murdered. Wake up. Your aunt got murdered two days ago, buddy. Elena walks over to Jenna's room, looks in sadly and closes the door. And I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but no way in hell does Jenna make her bed. I don't know about that. I don't have that kind of opinion of her. I do think given the situation that she was in at the time, it's weird that her bed was made. Yes. I'm not saying she never makes her bed. And me personally, I don't know if this is exposing myself. I don't make my bed. I'm getting in it again in 12 hours. Who cares? No judgment. But I make my bed in the sense that I pull the blankets to the top of the bed. I don't make it look nice. I just don't think Jenna was doing that to her bed. She had hospital corners. This is a Bed Bath & Beyond bed, and I don't think that's really Jenna. But I get it. It's a TV show. Or maybe someone made the bed. I don't know why someone would make her bed after she died. But hey, I can't judge people's grief. But she does have some lavender in her room, which is nice. Yeah. Like the plant and the color, but. Very calming. She had a mug next to her her nightstand. Oh, you looked at a lot of clues. Those were two clues. Okay, SSA Hotch. (laughs) On my criminal (laughs) minds-ish. So after Elena goes out of Jenna's room, Damon has appeared and he's like, hey, you know, this will all get easier, but you already know that. She's like, yeah, I've had a lot of death. And Elena says, what do you want? Damon says he wants to apologize. Feeding her his blood was wrong. He knows he doesn't deserve her forgiveness, but he needs it. And he's really laying it all out here, making amends because we as the audience know he thinks he's going to die today. And this- like is giving very much Damon in 1864. It's very soft and like clearly really broken down, really needing this forgiveness. Elena doesn't quite see that and it's fair. You know, I get why she was mad at him about this, but it's very clear in this moment. I think that he is just like soft underbelly Damon moment. Mm -hmm. But Elena doesn't care. She says, you know what? I need time, maybe a lot of time. And Damon's like, frankly, I don't have that. Yeah, he says, (laughs) frankly, my dear... I don't have the time. That's a little Gone with the Wind reference. Yeah. He's like, I really need your forgiveness today, though. Yeah. (laughs) In the next two hours would be ideal. Would be really key. (laughs) Instead, Damon says, take all the time you need. Because he knows it's not about him. It's about her. That's what love is, babes. So then we go over to the Salvador house. Damon is arriving home. And there's some like kind of upbeat but sad music playing. He drinks some bourbon. He looks at his werewolf bite. You can see he's kind of contemplating life. And then he opens the window, lets some sun in, finishes his bourbon and takes off his daylight ring. He starts to burn for a second. He was really luxuriating in it. And Stefan finally pushes him out of the way. I saw him take off the ring and I was like, oh, but it doesn't matter because the curse of the sun and the moon is broken. Bitch, that curse was fake. <laughs> I got so excited for a second. I was like, he can't do that. And then I was like, oh, he can't. He nope, that curse was absolutely alive. Can. And as, as he opened the windows and all that stuff came in, I was like, He is not about to kill himself. He is not. And he was. Stefan took his sweet time. (laughs) This is the stakes of seeing Rose's werewolf bite paying off. Damon was the only one who saw like 100% of the process for her. He knows that as it goes on, it will get worse and worse and worse for him and everyone around him. He has no interest in this. Yeah, because he knows that it got so bad for Rose that he couldn't even wait to watch her die. He had to stake her. And I think he knows deep down that if he has to let it get that fur, either Stefan or Elena has to stake him. Realistically, those are the two who would end up in that situation. And he doesn't want to make either of them do that because he hated doing that to Rose, even though he pushed that down and tried to hide it from everybody. But that was a horrible time to watch. And he doesn't want to have to go through that. He's going to die regardless. And granted, I don't think Stefan or Elena would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Damon's like, look, I got to take matters into my own hands here. Yeah. I have to just clear this out before I'm in pain, before I say something stupid, hurt someone, any of those things. But Stefan has other plans, of course. Yeah, Stefan says no, pushes him out of the sun. Damon says, no, you don't understand. I really want to die. I know what happened to Rose. And Stefan says, well, that's too bad. And he locks Damon in the dungeon. He says, you know, you're not going to die today. We're going to find a way out of this. Bonnie is looking for everything. And Damon says, just say goodbye and get it over with. And then he coughs up some blood. Not good for humans or vampires. Yeah, apparently that's a bad symptom all around. Yeah, he's basically like, she can look. It's not going to work. Let me just die. I know he has to be on suicide watch, whatever. If someone made me die in that little dungeon, I'd be pissed. I would be mad. And Stefan says, hey, lie still. And then he leaves him there. So then we go out to the woods. The sun is out and Klaus is waking up naked in the woods. Elijah tosses him his clothes and says, hey, you know, it's been almost two days since the full moon. Uh, The full moon came and went and you stayed a wolf. So now we know Klaus and Elijah learned at the same time we, the audience, learned Klaus can change at will. And that Klaus remembers every single kill while he was a wolf. So that's just a little bit of housekeeping for hybrid rules that we may or may not need to reference moving forward maybe we maybe we'll have another hybrid, maybe we won't. I don't know. well, it's good to know that he does indeed remember every kill because we've seen Tyler wake up and be like, "I don't know what happened, you know, <laughs> but Klaus Klaus knows and he, he's he's a okay with all of it, and he said that was super, super fun, and Elijah says, "Yeah, you know, I've been cleaning up all your messes along the way, and Klaus says just like old times, brother." <laughs> Elijah says, "Okay, so now that you've had your fun, I think we need to, like, come back to the bargain we made. And Klaus says, bargain, bargain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be reunited with our family. And Elijah says, I just want to remind you, you gave me your word, Elijah. No one cares about word except you. Yeah, you're the only one who holds honor in such high esteem. And here's my thing. Klaus is like, what, bargain? Oh, yeah. That thing I said to stop you from killing me. Okay, sure. Yeah. Elijah should see the writing on the wall that this is probably not going to work out. I think he's uh, doubtful at best, but I think he's like, well, you know, he is my brother. And also, like work. he's alive. I can't kill him now. I kind of have to well, yeah, this, stick on this, his this side. N- there's no way to walk this back. That was your one shot to kill him. And you had help and it still didn't work because you gave it up at the last second. And Klaus knew that that was the one moment that he could kill him and He saved his trump card when he needed it. And now Elijah just has to hope for the best. And Klaus says, hey, yeah, no brother would break his bond. Although, wait a second, didn't you try to kill me? And Elijah says, yeah, but I didn't kill you. He's like, yeah, but I stopped. And Klaus says, and now no one can. All is forgiven. And Klaus puts on a jacket. I just want to comment on this. It's not the point of the scene. He puts on a black trench coat with a. Popped collar. The collar is already popped. He, he said, Elijah, pop that before you put it on me. He said, make sure you pre-pop my collar. And it is giving very Dracula. Very modern day Dracula. I would think Klaus would be leaning into as yeah. a style icon. Oh, you know, Klaus saw an interview with a vampire and he said, no, this is the shit. He's like, I don't love the long hair, but the rest of it. Dope as fuck. Klaus watched <laughs> an interview with a vampire and he grew his hair out and he got pissed because he's like, it's not working for me. Yeah, he grew his hair out, and it was well. First of all, I don't think he got it all the way long because it yeah. got like shoulder length, and it was essentially an afro. And he was like, "No, no, 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 nope. yeah, absolutely not." And then he saw a Chris Angel show, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to take elements from this instead." I wish he would wear some eyeliner. <laughs> Maybe someday. So Elijah asks again, "Hey, where's our family?" And Klaus says, "Hey, lighten up. I'll bring you to them soon." Red flag number seven like yeah come on elisha (laughs) and so then we go over to the grill uh alaric is having a drink and he fully takes a bottle of bourbon from the bartender and she just gives it to him because she's like this guy's fucking nuts dude you gotta give it to this bartender she fights him a little bit she's like you know what i don't get paid enough for this you can fucking have it she's like this is above my fucking pay grade yeah she's like i'm not fighting the high school history teacher over this and also like no one is allowed to know like how Jenna died or really that Jenna died. So this just is, they're like, why is he such a fucking mess? Yeah. And so Stefan calls Rick and says, "Hey, I need your help. And Alaric says, yeah, well, I'm currently not operating and I apparently am not allowed to help. I just have to sit idly by while my girlfriend is sacrificed on an altar. And Stefan says, okay, uh, drama queen, Damon is dying. (laughs) (laughs) And this does get Alaric moving. Yeah, something to do. Stefan says, look, there's a werewolf fight. We're looking for a cure. Rick perks right up. He says, what do you need? I'll say this. Both alert and Jeremy make a comment like this in this episode of like, well, I had to sit behind before and I get why they're pissed about that. What the fuck were you two going to do? I mean, alert, I know you have state guns and vervain darts. That would not have worked on Klaus. It just wouldn't have. So I like they make that comment, but I just want to I mean, I know they're mad and they're stressed. Well, yeah, eventually they'll be able to look back and say, like, there was nothing I could have done. But right now it's the wound is still a little fresh. Yeah, there was nothing really any of them could have done except Catherine. And she was not in the business of doing that. So sorry. Sorry, guys. So I don't really know what y'all expected. (laughs) So then we go over to the town square. They're having a screening of Gone with the Wind. Everyone is dressed up in Old South antebellum clothes, which was already kind of wacky in 2011, 2012, but in 2021, it's particularly cringy. It's one of those things, and it's like so funny because last time they did this was the last season finale outside Mm -hmm. of like the actual flashbacks, which is kind of funny to see them do it again. And I get it's the South, but yeah, at this point, it's like... Maybe you guys shouldn't have leaned into that so much. But. I know, but on the plus side, none of our main characters do. Caroline and Elena said, I'm wearing jeans, bitch. And Caroline loves Gone with the Wind. Yeah, finally, we have at least just the background actors. Caroline says, yeah, I love Gone with the Wind, but it is racist. She's learned. And Jeremy doesn't seem particularly excited to be there. But Elena says, look, we had to get out of the house. This is our distraction from reality. We need to breathe, eat, and get up until it just isn't hurt anymore. It's a, a path, you know, just like, look, we can sit and be sad about this all the time, but we're going to be sad regardless. So we might as well push ourselves, mm-hmm. which I get. But I think it's also justification. Like, why are these kids out when their aunt just died? Yeah, you know, exactly. And so Caroline approaches. She has a really built out picnic. And Jeremy sa- seems quite unexcited. But Caroline says, perk up, everybody. We're going to take a page from Scarlett. We made it through the war. You guys went through absolute hell and my mom knows I'm a vampire. So basically Atlanta has burned, but still we persevere. Nevertheless, she persisted, baby. And the Gilberts like don't seem incredibly moved by this speech, but they do accept it and they start to eat. (laughs) I I think it's like, yeah, they made it through the war, but Elena and Jeremy very much lost. Yeah. Caroline relatively is closer to winning, even with her mom knowing her mom hasn't done anything. at at that current time. So Caroline has more reasons to be optimistic because she's like, hey, I didn't get fucking sacrificed. How did that work out? It's very Caroline to be pushing this like, look, we made it through Atlanta burned, but we're still sitting here and we're going to get it. We got to be positive. So then we go over to the witch house. Stefan and Bonnie are trying to do a seance to contact the witches, namely Emily Bennett, to find a werewolf bite cure, even though these witches notably hate Damon bonnie's like they may not want to (laughs) help yeah they kicked him out of the house when he walked in so i i don't know that they're thrilled (laughs) yeah bonnie does a little spell some candles light up she like focuses in and then she closes and opens her eyes and suddenly bonnie is emily we've seen this happen before emily's in bonnie's body yeah stefan says hey emily what's up girly um is there a spell that can heal a werewolf bite And she just says, nature has its balance. And it's like, that's not an answer. And Stefan says, okay, is that true? Or do you just not want to help Damon? And Emily says, you know, maybe it's his time to die. That's an answer. Stefan's like, okay, well, that one was an answer. So you don't want to help Damon then. (laughs) And Stefan says, well, that's not really balance. That's punishment. And Emily says, okay. And I'm not going to give him what he wants. Emily's like, well, I got sacrificed. So I'm balancing out that punishment. Yeah. Excuse me. And she says, I'm not going to give him what he wants. And Stefan says, oh, so there's something to give. And Emily's like, yeah, no shit, but I'm not giving it to him. So you see where we're at. Yeah. (laughs) Stefan's like, please, Emily, help me save my brother. And then Bonnie's head starts hurting and it's back to Bonnie. Emily's gone. Bonnie's like, yeah, they don't want us here. They think I'm abusing the power. And Stefan says, well, there's an answer. They just don't want to tell me. And Bonnie's like, well, you know, in the commotion, I did hear them say a name. And what other name would it be but Klaus, baby? I mean, it makes sense. He would be the path here at minimum because he's an original. You're around that long. Eventually you learn. So then we go over to the police station. Carol Lockwood has her arm in a sling. She's serving um, and she's entering to go talk to the sheriff. You know, they do a little housekeeping. Carol says she's feeling better after her really nasty fall. But what she's really here for is an update on the vampire situation, which, by the way, Carol hasn't been updated on in weeks. I don't know what is spurring this. Actually, I do know what's spurring it. It's a season finale and we need a drama to be stirred up. Yeah. Liz says, you know, there's a few updates, but I'm handling it. And Carol says, are you because I left you in charge of this town's safety and I'm not really seeing any results lately. But like Carol doesn't know any of the death that's happening except for Mason. Yeah, but that was forever ago. Maybe she's mad that there's no answer on Mason still, but I don't really think she cares that much. Well, I also feel like if there was an answer on Mason, they would have known if it was a vampire, you know? Like, I feel like she would be expecting to have heard if it was a vampire. She might think it's not. Anyway, this is kind of coming from out of left field. Again, it's a season finale. We need to raise the stakes. I get it, but it is like, why does Carol care about this all of a sudden? It's also probably Carol just was bored in the hospital and was like, hey, I haven't heard about vampires in a while and was like, I better get some power back. And like, and I, I would believe that just character wise. Yeah. Um, I'm just making a justification because I do think it's just a finale to really, yeah. to really get Liz to fucking make a choice here because she's been, you know, floundering like, uh, I don't like vampires, but like, I do. My daughter. Kind of like my daughter and like Matt hasn't seen anything crazy. So I don't really have evidence to push it either way. So we just needed someone needed to push Liz to make a decision. And yeah, and here comes Liz with the wrong fucking one. Yeah. And there's enough character stuff to back it up. But it is a little weird. Liz says she's handling it. And Carol says, yeah, you better be because if you can't, I'll find someone who will. I don't know where you're going to find them. The deputies are all idiots. Yeah. What are you going to do? Put up a fucking listing on Indeed. Yeah, Uh, Like, go ahead, Carol. Try the (laughs) next person Carol's going to go to is fucking Damon. Yeah, exactly. At this current point, he would be dying. (laughs) Sheriff Damon Salvatore. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) He would never take the job. He'd be like, I don't want to do that. I want to go to work. Oh, I feel like he'd take it and just never go into the office. Yeah. So then we go out to the town square. Stefan approaches the little picnic blanket. And Elena says, well, 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 look who couldn't resist an epic romance. And he says, hey, can you take a walk with me? She's like, come (laughs) on, man. (laughs) They really do not get a moment's peace. Like, let them have one night off. You watched like 20 minutes of Gone with the Wind. If even that. And Elena <laughs> says, you know, movie night is supposed to be a distraction. Drama can wait until tomorrow. And Stefan says, yeah, I really wish this could wait until tomorrow. But this actually is the one thing that can't. Yeah, like, actually, it really can't this time. <laughs> and so Stefan says, okay, so the other night, um, Damon was helping Tyler and he got bitten. And Elena says, is he gonna? And Stefan says, Yeah. He's like, it's a werewolf bite, Elena. What do you fucking think? I know. <laughs> but I get it. She has to ask. She's like, well, maybe maybe he's okay. Yeah. Cause again, her and Stefan really didn't see as much of the werewolf bite aftermath. I guess Elena saw quite a bit, but Well, but they didn't also see like how they saw that Rose's bite was big. Yeah. I mean, Rose got a chunk of her shoulder taken out. It was substantial. Yeah. And Elena realizes that that's why Damon was trying to apologize today. And she basically slammed the door in his face. And Stefan says, you know, Damon told me not to say anything to you, but I thought you should know. And also just like, Throwing it out there, it's not over. There might be a cure, but I do have to find Klaus for it. <laughs> it's like, I don't want you to go find Klaus. Yeah, Elena says, yeah, I think Klaus is going to kill you. And Stefan says, yeah, but he had the chance and didn't. So I feel safe, which the logic tracks you, but also it kind of doesn't, but it all works out. So whatever. I, yeah, I get this logic because if he was going to kill him, he probably would have already. I think he could still circle back and kill him. But I mean, at this point, he thinks Damon's going to die and he might as well try it. And Stefan says, look, I'm the one that made Damon a vampire in the first place. So I owe it to him to find a cure. They hug and Stefan tells Elena to talk to Damon and tell him that there's hope. So then we go back to the dungeon. Damon is hallucinating 1864. It's been a while since we've had an 1864 flashback. Mm -hmm. It's him in his full Confederate uniform. Yikes. Walking (laughs) through the hallway of the old Salvatore house. And he sees Catherine at her vanity. And he looks at her and Catherine says, you know, spying on a lady is poor manners, but my corset strings are knotted. (laughs) Yeah, she's just sitting there in her corset as she do. She's having fun. I mean, she's sitting there in her corset with the door cracked open. She was waiting for someone to come by. She was like, I don't care if it's Damon or Stefan, whichever one happens to walk by first can come right in. Yeah. (laughs) So Damon comes in and Catherine asks if he'll miss her while he's defending the South. And he says, yeah, duh. Yeah, he's like, "Um, I'm planning on deserting. So we're good. So we won't have to worry about that long. (laughs) And Catherine says, oh, I'll be lonely, you know, while you're away. And Damon says, well, I think Stefan is going to be good company for you. And Catherine says, you know, is it so wrong to want you both? And Damon's like, I mean, I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, and Elena appears in his hallucination. And Damon's like, Elena? And Elena says, don't you see? Catherine was toying with you. All you needed to do was say no and walk away. You had a choice. So basically she's telling him like, You should have said, yeah, it's wrong to want us both. Fuck you. Yeah. And I think this is all leading up to his admission later on that he was willing to choose to be a vampire too. It's all this this choice motif that goes through his thoughts the whole time. But yeah, it's this idea like you could have just not kissed her feet everywhere she went, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Because Damon knows had that been like, had he not been following her so aggressively all this time, things may be different, you know? Yes. Hallucination Damon kind of ignores Elena's warning. Or I mean, it's already in the past, so he can't really avoid it. Catherine says, promise you'll hurry back. And he says, I promise. He says, I'm going to desert queen. Yeah, he says, I'll be back in a week, babe. Yeah. (laughs) And then we go back to present day. He's in the dungeon. He comes to and he looks and his bite has definitely gotten worse. Yeah, because it's been doing that thing, you know, when Rose got bit, it looked really bad. And then it like started to heal and then it got way worse. And it was kind of doing that. It was about the same. It was pretty small the whole time. And now, now it's moving. So let me go over to Alaric's apartment. Stefan is arriving and Catherine is waiting on the bed. And as soon as Stefan comes in, Catherine's like, hey, I've been waiting for two days. And from my understanding, I was supposed to be free of Klaus's compulsion by now because she was expecting him to be dead two days ago. And Stefan says, Oh yeah, so we ran into some complications. Yeah, Stephen's like, well, clearly it didn't work, girly. Like, why do you think I'm here? He's like, obviously it didn't work. You can tell it didn't work because you're here. And I don't have time to get into it, but we need to find Klaus. Do you have any idea where he might be? And Catherine quickly pushes him against the wall because perfect timing, Klaus and Elijah happened to be returning just now. And Catherine says, Klaus, you're back. Look who came to visit. And Klaus sees it, Stephanie says, you just keep popping up. And Stefan's like, so do you. <laughs> yeah. Stefan says, you are the master of popping up, bitch. Stefan's like, you understand this isn't your apartment, right? <laughs> and Stefan says, yeah, I need help for my brother. And Klaus says, well, it's going to have to wait because I have an obligation to my brother. And Elijah's like, that's me. Look, it's looking good. It's looking like he's going to tell me something. He's like, oh, I just said, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. And Elijah doesn't necessarily rub it in Stefan's face, but Elijah's clearly like on this like family love tear. And Elijah says to Stefan, I mean, you understand how important family is or you wouldn't be here. And my brother gave me his word that he would reunite me with my own. He's like really excited. And Klaus says, so I shall and stabs him with the dagger. And it's a very monkey's paw situation. He said he would reunite you with your family. He did not say you would all be alive. I mean, Elijah should have seen this coming. Yeah, Elijah is shocked, but come on, man. Uh, like, yeah, I, I'm sure he got he got stabbed and he was like, oh, you fucking asshole. Yeah, he, he felt the dagger <laughs> going. And he was like, OK, to be fair, I don't know what I expected. He said, OK, yeah, this one is on me. Yeah. So Elijah turns gray and veiny in what we know is temporary for him and they fall him to the ground. And Klaus pushes Stefan up against a wall and says, now what am I going to do with you? And then Klaus stabs Stefan with a stake, I think, um, scrapes it against his heart a little bit to be like, hey, you feel that? I'm scraping your heart. So if I move it just a little bit more, you will be dead. And uh, it looks uncomfortable for Stefan, to be sure. (laughs) Yeah. And Catherine also seems like bothered by this. She says, hey, he just wants to help his brother. Catherine's feeling a little bad about all that she's done, it seems, because she's yeah. she's trying to do a little something for Stefan here. So Klaus pulls out the stake, and Stefan says, you know, the witches told me that you had a cure, and I want to make a deal. You give me the cure, and I'll do whatever you want. Now, Stefan, a little note on your negotiations. Don't say you'll do anything you want. Offer him something. <laughs> Don't give him the opportunity to pick. Yeah, but I get it. He's desperate, but Stefan... I feel like just say like, hey, if you give me the cure, I won't try to fight back. I will defend you. Like, I won't let anyone fight back to you for killing Jenna and killing Elena. Or even say like, I need the cure. I want to make a deal. What is it you want me to offer you? And just open up points for negotiations. You know, don't say like, I'll do anything because guess what? You have no power in this negotiation anymore. You gave it all up immediately. You've proven that you will accept anything he offers you. You could even offer like a small version of what Klaus ends up asking for. Like, you can be like, do you want me to like help connect you with the witch to help you? Like we both, we killed both your witches. So do you want me to find you a new witch? Like something that just gives him like an idea without giving up every ounce of power. Not Stefan's best word. But Stefan's not like, really skilled in that yeah, uh, realm he's a little emotional yeah and actually now Cl- klaus takes the stake out my apologies it's been in this whole time but now <laughs> klaus takes the stake out and then klaus sits down with a little glass of blood and says you know the trouble is i don't know if you'd be any good to me the way you are now you are just shy of useless and seven says ouch yeah, and seven says <laughs> i'm sorry i'm like not like awful that's a little rude yeah <laughs> And we learn later what he's kind of referring to. Yeah. So then we go back over to the dungeon. Damon wakes up and Rick is there to visit him. Rick says, oh, you know, your bite looks bad. And Damon says, yeah, well, it feels worse. And by the way, my subconscious is also haunting me. So and Rick's like, damn, that sucks. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, want to drink? So Rick pours them both glasses of bourbon. Puts the little crystal glass in the window of the dungeon. Very nice. <laughs> Boys, just guys being dudes. And Damon grabs his daylight ring and his drink, which Rick has left out for him. And Damon says, oh, you're here for suicide watch? And Alaric says, I'm just here to help. Damon says, you know, Stefan is doing what he always does. He's trying to right the wrongs of the past. And then Damon decides he wants people to hate him so that they'll kill him. Not a bad tactic. Yeah. Cause since he's, he doesn't have any way to kill himself at the moment. So, so Damon says, you know, you should want me dead. I'm the reason Jenna got killed. And Rick says, I don't blame you for Jenna, which of course he doesn't like, there's a part of it. Like, yes, there were decisions Damon made that led to Jenna being sacrificed, but really the one who's at fault is Klaus. Yeah. Like you can be a little mad at Damon about it, but realistically this was going to go how it was going to go. No one could have known he was going to get Jenna. So Alaric isn't that mad about it. And Alaric is also not oblivious to the fact why Damon is saying this. Like, he's very understanding. Like, okay, clearly you want me to kill you. And I obviously didn't come here for that. So Mm -hmm. keep talking. Yeah. So Alaric says, I don't blame you for Jenna. Damon says, sure you do. Also, remember how I turned your wife into a vampire? You must really hate me for that one. Which we've long covered Isabel. That is not Damon's fault. That's Isabel's fault. (laughs) Yeah, Isabel was dying to get turned into a vampire, and Damon just helped. Like, that was all Isabel being a fucking bitch. Like, that really has nothing to do with Damon. Exactly. And Alaric says, You know what? Give me your glass. Neither of us is drunk enough for this conversation, which is the right reaction to that. So he's going to refill their drinks. But then Damon grabs Alaric's throat and says, Please kill me. And Alaric's like, Okay, well, no. So Alaric says, Screw you, and injects him with Vervain. Damon falls to the ground and he says, Elena. And Rick says, Elena's not here, Damon. Yeah, he, he's like, okay. He said, shut <laughs> up about the 17-year-old, please. He said, shut up, you fucking depressed to ass. <laughs> so then we go outside the Salvatore house where Elena does happen to be pulling up. Elena hears some rustling. And then Sheriff Liz Forbes comes up and covers Elena's mouth and says, don't make a sound. There's a bunch of deputies here and we are here to fuck shit up. And Elena's like, are you fucking joking? And look, I get what she's doing here. This shit's illegal, ma'am. It was the warrant act. Even if you happen to have a warrant for this house, which I'm positive you don't, you can't arrest a child who's standing outside. Well, they're not arresting her. They're detaining her. But here's the other thing you have to remember. Anytime they deal with vampire stuff, it's above the law. Yeah, there's no law stuff here. Elena can't take her to court for this. I've been really soured on Miss Liz Forbes this episode uh, for obvious reasons that we will come to get to. So I'm going to be a little unfair to her for most of this. I I just just want you to know. (laughs) I I want you to know I am not being unbiased here. I'm pissed at her. And I will say some stuff that I may regret. I don't care. I'm mad at her. (laughs) So then meanwhile in the dungeon, Damon asks Alaric to go get some blood. Alaric goes to the cooler to go pick up a blood bag. And Liz comes in, points the gun at Rick and says, hey, where's Damon? And Rick says, hey, now is not a good time. He's like, you would be really wise to leave. Like, he wouldn't attack you on a normal day. I can't make promises today. Yeah. And a deputy says he's here. And Alaric's like, do not go in there. But they don't listen. Alaric is trying his best to stop them. Be- but of course, to them, this just sounds like he doesn't want Damon to die, which is part of it. But he's also like, no, it's literally a bad idea for you to go in there. They have no idea of the circumstances, which how could they? But yeah. yeah, funny. So then they peek in the dungeon and Damon is laying on the floor. So they're like, awesome. They open the door. All of a sudden, Damon's no longer laying on the floor. He's standing up, oldest trick in the book, and he tosses Liz against a wall. Now, I thought Liz died and I was sad. I, would- I wouldn't care now. Yeah, this was early in the episode. You weren't too soured on Lizzie. Yeah, this was before she hurt me. Yeah. Then we go out to the town square. Caroline, Bonnie, and Jeremy are still watching Gone with the Wind, but they're not really enjoying it because they're stressed and waiting for news. And then Jeremy gets a call from Rick. Rick says, hey, please tell me you guys are with Elena right now. And Jeremy says, oh, no, Elena went to go see Damon. I thought that's where you were. Caroline eavesdrops this conversation so that we know. And Alex says, okay, so here's the thing. Damon escaped. I suspect he's looking for Elena. Also, the cops are after him. So you need to get Elena and you need to take her somewhere safe because Damon is in bad shape and I'm on the way. And Bonnie says, you know, if Damon is off the rails, there's really nothing you can do, Jeremy. You should let me and Caroline deal with this. And Jeremy says, okay, can you stop it? You left me behind before and Jenna still died. I'm going to go find my sister. Like, especially in this case, like, there's no point to leave him behind. Like, well, he's going to sit there and watch Gone with the Wind by himself. Like, you can't trap him on a picnic blanket, Bonnie. Unfortunately, as soon as you leave, he's getting up. Yeah. So you might as well just let him come with you. Exactly. And not for nothing, he has a Gilbert ring. So even if Damon did kill him, whatever, who cares? Yeah, he can bounce back from that. So they go over to Alaric's apartment where Klaus is talking to Steph and He says, you know, I heard about this crazy vampire who was on and off the wagon for decades, and when he was off, he was super, super fun and cool and sexy. In 1917, for example, he went to Monterey and wiped out an entire migrant village. Stefan has been relatively woke in the past. This was not a good look for him. Yeah. Klaus says, you know, that guy was a true ripper, a term we've heard before. And Klaus says, sound familiar? And it does sound familiar to Stefan, but Stefan says, you know, I haven't been like that in a very long time. And Klaus says, well, that's the vampire I can make a deal with. That's the kind of talent I can use when I leave this town. What do you think he wants to use this talent for? Well, he wants to have a master race. It's nice to have some strong henchmen on the side. And as we can imagine, Klaus has no interest in the humanity side of it. And he knows that it's more efficient to not. And if he has someone who is a very practiced killer who doesn't care who he kills that's an ideal henchman because then also doesn't care if he dies yeah and then klaus says hey Catherine, please come here and she does and klaus bites her and since he's a hybrid it's a werewolf bite. so she freaks out but then he lets her drink his blood and it heals so then they repeat it a couple times so we really get it clear hybrid blood and klaus is the only hybrid we know Klaus's blood heals werewolf bites for vampires, which makes sense when you look at like, if we're looking at it from a scientific perspective, and I know it's not science based at all, but he's got werewolf blood and vampire blood. So it makes, you know, logical sense based on the rules of the show that this would be the cure. As of right now, Klaus is the only one who really holds a a werewolf bite cure for a vampire. So it's a good thing they didn't kill him. Yeah, so pretty lucky that Elijah saved him in, for this one instance. It is all, all's well that ends well in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry to Jenna, but I'm picking Damon. <laughs> so Klaus says, let's chat now that all our negotiation cards are on the table. So then we go over to the town square. Damon is limping around through the crowds of many people and they're gone with the wind garb while the movie plays. He coughs, he hallucinates, he sees Catherine in the town square it's really a bad time to be hallucinating when people are actually wearing 1864 garb. Yeah, very poor timing. And Jeremy finds him and Damon says, I need to see Elena. And Jeremy is like, OK, well, let's get you out of the town square first. Yeah, he's like, let's first get you in a building. How about step yeah. one? So then we go over to the sheriff's office where Elena is detained uh, in Liz's <laughs> office. And Elena says, hey, where's Damon? And Liz says, yeah, why do you care? You know what they are, what they do. And Elena says, look, I understand you hate them, but you're wrong. Well, and also, like, it's clear why she cares, Liz. She's dating his brother. Like, yeah, they're vampires, but he is her boyfriend's brother. Yeah. Like, uh, like, it's not a question. And Liz says they're murderers. And then a deputy comes in and says Damon was spotted at the grill. And Elena's like, look, you need to take me with you. He is sick. He's not himself. I can help. But unfortunately, Liz makes her stay behind with a uh, dumbass deputy. Can't be that hard to escape one of these idiots. Well, and she gets out somehow. I don't know how, but we do eventually see her throw a chair through the window. So that's, oh, yeah. she like full breaks the window, which that's, that's what fine. they get. So then we go over to the grill. Jeremy is carrying Damon and he gets a call and he tells whoever's on the phone that he's with Damon at the grill. We can assume it's Bonnie and Caroline because they come in pretty quick after. Liz comes in and she points her gun But Damon runs fast out of the way and she shoots Jeremy in the chest. And I saw Jeremy on the phone behind Damon and I was like, oh, don't you dare fucking kill Jeremy. I was I I saw it happening. And then immediately Damon obviously dodges a gunshot because he's fast. Why wouldn't he? And that bullet hits Jeremy square in the fucking chest. I was like, oh, that is And Damon is sick enough that he can't like think clearly so right now he's thinking on purely survival instinct i yeah i don't blame damon for this because also even if damon was at full mental capacity what are the odds that jeremy is right behind you like chest facing gun? like there's no way to know that i can't blame damon for this even at his top cognitive ability and jeremy starts breathing really heavily as liz calls the paramedics and liz is like so scared and it's like well Maybe that's why you don't just shoot people in the grill. Yeah, maybe you need to have a clearer line of sight before you shoot someone. Who's the fucking murderer now? Well, you know, she's reckoning with that in her brain as well. Pretty clearly, this is when my opinion of Liz turned. And I'm I'm only going to get meaner, babe. And I mean, you can tell she's reckoning with all of that in her mind as well. Caroline runs in with Bonnie and Liz says, I was aiming for Damon, like, I don't know what I did. And Caroline clocks the ring, but Bonnie reminds her that since Liz is human, the ring won't work. And Liz is like, what are you two talking about? So Caroline bites herself and tries to feed Jeremy her blood. Liz is like, what the fuck are you doing? And Caroline says, I am helping. Caroline keeps telling Jeremy to drink and he is not drinking. Yeah, it's I'm watching it and I'm like, is he drinking? And if you have to ask, Caroline wouldn't be like, he's not drinking because obviously Bonnie's sitting right there. But you can see Caroline kind of be like, keep drinking, Jeremy, like trying to will it to happen, you know? And then Alaric comes in, walks in on all the drama as they're all crying and Caroline lifts up her arm and Jeremy's got blood on his lips, but he looks dead, dead. Yeah, the the blood looks like it was literally dripping out of his mouth, like not going anywhere. Things looked bad for Jeremy here. And so Bonnie says, okay, I know what I have to do. Alaric, you grab him and take him with us. And Liz says, um, this is a crime scene, bitch, you're a crime scene and also you're the sheriff. Tamper with it. <laughs> so now you fucking care about procedure, you fucking murdering bitch. Oh, wow. You're really anti-Liz today. <laughs> I'm really mad. <laughs> but Caroline says, Mom, you have to let them go. And she does. So Rick and Bonnie take him. We go back to the sheriff's office. Elena is pacing and worried. And then she opens a shutter and breaks a window. And literally no one notices her do this. What kind of deputies are they hiring? The deputy is supposedly standing outside the door. He doesn't hear a whole window break. A whole last window. I really think she could have opened the door and walked out and it wouldn't have worked and it would have worked. <laughs> he had his iPod in. He would have forgotten she was there. She'd been like, hey, and he'd be like, Oh, nice to see you. And let her go. Like, they're such idiots. He was listening to a podcast. Yeah. So then we go over to Alaric's apartment again. Klaus puts some blood in a cup as Stefan watches and he says, And Klaus says, You know, you want to save your brother? How about a decade-long bender? And Stefan looks pissed that he would even suggest this. And Klaus says, I have big plans for you when we leave this town. Because to Stefan, a decade-long long bender is a lot longer when he considers that he has a human girlfriend. Whereas for Klaus, he's like, a decade is a nice short time. I think I'm being pretty fair here. He's like, that's like a month, babe. And Stefan says, well, I'm not really like this anymore. And Klaus says, well, that's too bad. You could have been one hell of a wingman. And then Klaus dumps out some of his blood to be like, I guess I'm not going to give you this cure. And Stefan says, wait which catches Klaus's attention. And Klaus says, you know, Stefan, why don't you join me for a drink of human blood, not Klaus's blood. So they have a little drink from a blood bag and Stefan has a little sip. He tries to keep it cool. And Klaus says, finish it. Yeah, he's like, you're not drinking two sips of that. Like, come on. I'm not a dumbass. And Klaus says, you do everything I say, I save your brother. That's the deal. And to be fair to Klaus, that is the deal Stefan offered. Yeah. He didn't even fight for this he's just given Stefan what he asked for so Stefan finishes the blood bag and you can see he gets really into it and then Klaus says awesome again <laughs> yeah he's he says dance monkey Catherine is watching she's intrigued Klaus is loving this bullshit and we know Stefan has been drinking human blood in moderation mm-hmm. but we don't really know how much or if he's still doing it. we haven't seen it in a while so it's Definitely questionable how much he can drink. Probably not this much. Yeah. So then um, Alaric puts down Jeremy's body. Oh, so so then we go over to the witch house. (laughs) He puts it down in class's apartment. Hey guys, sorry. Sorry, but (laughs) I have to remind you, my name is on the lease. This is my apartment. I pay rent here. (laughs) Alaric puts down Jeremy's body on the floor of the witch house and says, Hey, is it possible? And Bonnie says, There's a spell. That i can use if the witches give me the power to use it and we know they're not particularly happy with her right now yeah because she already asked for a pretty sizable favor this morning and though they didn't give her the answer on purpose it seems they they did yeah or they at least gave her a step yeah so bonnie does a spell bonnie struggles with this spell and she says that the witches are angry at her for coming back that they don't want to help her and that they say that if they help there's going to be consequences Bonnie and Alaric don't care about the consequences right now. Alaric says he's just a kid. Tell them to shut up. Bonnie continues the spell despite their protests. She's in pain. She's got a nosebleed. She calls out to Emily for help. She says she loves Jeremy. She's like, I love him. Please, you guys have to help me. It's shaking. The wind is blowing. And then it stops. And Jeremy looks dead, dead. Bonnie says, no. Alaric is upset. But then at the last second, Jeremy gasps back to life. He is confused, but Bonnie says, it doesn't matter, you're okay, and she thanks the witches. So I have to ask, what do you think the consequences are of bringing Jeremy back to life? We saw like one effect, but we don't know if that's one of the consequences. He's come back to life before from the ring, but this implies that there's something very different between that death, like that the ring kind of stops it before it's this true, true death, compared to a human death like this. I mean, it seems that the consequences from what we can understand from the end of this episode is a kind of thinning of this boundary between the human and the spirit world. Interesting. Um, that's my initial read on it. It could also be that there's like some sort of health effects, body effects. I am not 100% convinced that after this spell, that ring will still work. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. The ring is built on it being human, on them being human. And Jeremy is still human, but there is this kind of supernatural thread in theory that brought him back to life. Mm -hmm. It's a gray area for sure. Yeah, it's a gray area for sure. Although if that were the case, then you would think Elena's little life force spell would make the ring not work on her either. I feel like those would have to go together. So that's a potential. I'm not necessarily convinced that'll happen, but I could see that being a consequence. So then we go back to the town square. Gone with the Wind continues to play because the movie's four hours long. So it gets us through all yeah. these events. It actually <laughs> is realistic that this is the movie they're playing because then it can really play the whole time. So this was a cool writing move by them. Yeah. Um, Elena is looking for Damon. He approaches her and she says, Okay, we have to hide. He's disoriented. He asks where they're going. And then he goes like back and forth between present day and 1864. In 1864, Catherine says, Everywhere. And then he trips back into present day. And then quickly we go back into 1864 where Catherine says, relax. And then quickly back into present day where Elena says, we have to get you out of here. Very disorienting for Damon. And we saw this same kind of jumping back and forth in time with Rose's Bite too. That Mm -hmm. keeping the timing and where you are straight becomes very difficult towards the end of this process. Yes. So Damon pushes... Catherine against a tree and Elena against a wall. And in 1864, he asks why Catherine runs. And Catherine says, because I know you will chase. Ain't that a lesson, Damon? Ain't that a lesson? He fell for it every time. And Damon says, let me chase you forever. Feed me your blood. And Catherine says, oh, I'm not going to feed you. If you want to take it, it's your choice. So she basically says, you want my blood? Bite me yourself, dude. Yeah. And Damon says, "Okay, I choose you. And then present day, Elena says, hi, not Catherine. Elena. Yeah. Poor Elena <laughs> constantly is in these situations, but she has to be like, hey, no, I'm Elena. I am Elena. Um, please notice that. <laughs> yeah, my hair is straight. I'm wearing a Henley. What, ca- what else would make it clearer to you? And then in 1864, Damon says, promise you won't tell my brother. And Catherine says, I promise it'll be our secret. And then present day Elena says, um, please don't bite me. <laughs> yeah. Because she sees where this is going. Yeah, she sees him looking at her neck and she's like, oh, I don't want you to do that. And Damon says, I have to so we can be together forever. And she says, hey, stop. And then he bites into Elena's neck to drink her blood because he thinks it's Cap'n. And Elena says, hey, uh, Damon, you're hurting me. Please stop. You really don't have to do this again. You are hurting me. Yeah, she's like, uh, hi, just again, a reminder. This is Elena. Um, And I would love if you would stop. Then pretty quickly, before he has too much blood, Damon comes to and says, Elena. And then he falls to the ground. She hides her wounds. She like holds him and she like looks around to make sure no one's coming. Then we go back over to the grill where Caroline and Liz are the only ones left there. And she gets off the phone with Bonnie and says, to Liz, I have great news. Jeremy is alive. And Liz is like, Oh my god, thank God, I thought I killed him. And Caroline says, Yeah, you did. Yeah, Caroline's like, You absolutely did kill him. Yeah. You shot him in the middle of his chest. I know you're not that stupid. Well, but she doesn't understand that people can come back to life. She doesn't have the mogul mindset of thinking, How what can a vampire do for me? Yeah. Um, but she's learning. And Caroline says, I explained it to you once, but I had to make you forget because I was scared. But I don't want to lie. I don't want to be afraid of you. And I don't want you to be afraid of me. I'm still your little girl. It's me. And they hug and cry, which implies that there's hope for this relationship. Yeah, Liz does return the hug. Do you think this is coming around? Do you think Liz is on the path to accepting vampires as part of her life? I think she's on the path, you know, for better or for worse. Her essentially killing a teenage boy is probably going to make her be a little bit more forgiving. She was already on the path to accepting Caroline, but I think she just really was waiting. She just wanted evidence that said she could kill her, you know, or kill all these vampires. She Because she wasn't getting any of that evidence. And she was like, well, I don't want to just let them be, but I also like, I can't kill them until I know for sure that this is right. That's what she's been kind of grappling with for a while. And then the mayor was kind of like, no, you got to do something. You've just been sitting here. And so I think Liz in this moment, like in this Episode has been like, okay, I'm just clearly letting my emotions get to me about my daughter. Like, they're still monsters. I still got to do this. And now I think she can is getting more tangible evidence, especially with Caroline straight up being like, you know, I told you once and I'm telling you again, like, let's deal with this. That she can actually take more of that as evidence to the positive side instead of sitting and waiting for evidence to the negative that doesn't really come. Mm Because she wasn't really getting positive evidence either. Like she was kind of getting news from Matt, but she was like, I don't know. Like maybe Matt's just an idiot and isn't noticing stuff. But now she has actual tangible evidence that maybe she can be on this side. So I think she's at the minimum on the path. Well, and the useful piece of information that I think really pushes her over the edge. And it was helpful the first time she learned, even though Caroline held it away, is that vampire blood heals humans. The other push that helped the first time and- isn't really clear this time, but I think partially through Jeremy is this idea that Caroline had to die for this to happen, that it wasn't necessarily a choice to become a murderer, but it was like a very traumatic experience of death. And it's like, to think about like the fact that your daughter died, but you're so lucky that you still actually have her there in spite of that, Mm -hmm. I think helps to push the positive side. So then we go over to the Gilbert house Jeremy is laying in bed and he searches on Bing back from the dead. Because one thing about Jeremy Gilbert is he will be on Bing. He is not a Google man. We know that. But Bonnie video calls him in the middle of his research. And she says, hey, how you feel? And he says, you know, I feel different. And Bonnie says, that makes sense. You did come back from the dead. And Jeremy says, look, I don't know how to thank you. And she says, you can thank me tomorrow. And the day after that, and the day after that, he, 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 flirt, flirt, flirt. And they hang up. It's very cute. And then Alaric comes into Jeremy's room and says, hey, I have to take off. Do you need anything before I go? And Jeremy says, oh, no, I'm good. And then before Rick leaves, he says, you know what? On second thought, I'll crash here if it's cool. And Jeremy says, yeah, whatever. Thanks for everything. They're both like, hey, um, I could stay here. Like, Yeah, if you want to. I don't care. It's clear that Jeremy wants Alaric to stay and that Alaric wants to stay and take care of them. But he, but Alaric doesn't want to overstep his bounds. Jeremy doesn't want to ask Alaric to do all this work, but they both want to be there for each other. Yeah, I mean, Alaric has been there for Jeremy since he got here, essentially, we, yeah. very early on. But I do think they don't want to be the one to push for it. But I think after Alaric saw Jeremy die and come back to life, he's like, okay, I need to be here for, for this guy. And to kind of carry on Jenna's legacy plus not for nothing he can't exactly go to his apartment right now yeah he doesn't have a place to live yes because earlier in the episode when he's at the grill drinking I'm like why is not he just drinking at home if he's gonna get this drunk and I'm like oh he doesn't have a home like it got stolen from him Jeremy says you know thanks for everything and Alex says oh you can thank me tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that (laughs) and they laugh they have fun and Jeremy's like I knew you were listening just guys being dudes Then we go over to the Salvatore house, specifically to Damon's room. Elena is at Damon's bedside. Damon tells her to leave because he's afraid he'll hurt her. And she says, I'm going to stay till the end. She's like, Damon, I don't know if you can. I I know you can't see yourself right now. You are literally drenched in sweat and barely moving. I I think I'm good by now. (laughs) I think I'll be able to get away. (laughs) Yeah, I think at this point that threat is gone. So she hugs him as he coughs. And Damon says, you know, All those years I blamed Stefan, but no one forced me to love her. It was my choice and I made the wrong choice. I think that is a push, you know, that in theory, Stefan made the decision to be a vampire for him, but Damon was getting ready to be a vampire that whole time. Damon drank the blood willingly in preparation. Just he was always drinking the blood in case he died. So he had made the decision to be a vampire. And when push came to shove, he wasn't sure if he wanted it without Catherine, but No one forced him to do that. And I think what's reckoning, what he's reckoning with, what Stefan and Damon both reckon with in general is there's only so far they can blame someone else for something. They both have to learn to take responsibility for their faults. There are things that they can blame on each other or anyone else. But at the end of the day, there are things they can't blame on anyone but themselves. And I think it's hard to reckon with that. I think that's a theme through a lot of this show of like, we see that a lot with Damon, where Damon will make choices of his own volition and then like four choices down the line, something negative happens. And that's not necessarily Damon's fault. And it's this idea of like, is anything anyone's fault? But that is the point of like, yeah, Stefan forced Damon to become, to complete the transition, but he would have not had to make that choice for Damon had Damon not made the blood choice first. Yeah. So it's this balance of like, yes, he forced me into it, but like I had already made, like taken steps in that direction. Yeah. And it's finding out like, I think this whole reason behind their rivalry for all this time is sometimes blaming them for something the other one did, sometimes blaming them for something they did, and sometimes just projecting their own insecurities under the other one. That's a sibling relationship at its core. Totally. Elena shushes him because she's like, you don't have to do all this right now. You don't have to unpack your whole life. And Damon says, tell Stefan I'm sorry. And Elena nods and holds him because she can tell the fact that he's saying, tell Stefan I'm sorry, I shouldn't be blaming him. She's like, okay. Okay. He is very close. He's seeing that white light, baby. (laughs) The Grim Reaper has been knocking and and he's getting louder. Yeah, (laughs) he's getting impatient. So then we go back over to Alaric's apartment and we see there's like a pile of a bunch of blood bags that Stefan has drank and he seems pretty ravenous at this point. It seems like it's uh, that he's really getting into it. Yeah, it's unclear at this point if Klaus has kept being like another one for like the 10 bags on the floor or if Stefan has kind of leaned into it at this point. It's not super clear. Klaus says, you know, you're very cooperative. It's almost like you're enjoying it. And Stefan says, okay, I'm not going to drink any more blood until you give me the cure. He's like, look, like we're burning daylight here. Like I... I understand you have to do this, but like, I do have to cure him at some point. And Klaus says, nope, let's make a deal now. You can remain here, living your life in Mystic Falls, or you can embrace what you truly are and leave town with me and save your brother's life. So basically the choice is you can stay in Mystic Falls or you can save your brother's life. And though Klaus doesn't know it, the choice is like, it's Elena or Damon. Uh, like either way, he's leaving Damon too in this case. Yeah. Yeah. So you can stay with just Elena or you can safely know that Damon and Elena are alive, but not see either of them. Mm-hmm. So it really is at its core a choice between Damon and Elena, but it's still a lose lose. It's a tough decision, but Stefan makes it. He does so by drinking another blood bag to show Klaus, like I- I'm going with you. And Klaus says, that's the spirit. And then Klaus takes a little cure in the bottle and he goes up to Catherine and he compels her. And he says, take this to Damon and come right back. And Catherine and Stefan are both like, wait, she gets to leave? Because they both know mama's got Vervain. That was the whole point of Vervain is that at some point, Klaus would let her leave the apartment and she wouldn't be compelled to like come back. And Klaus says, you should hurry. And she does. Catherine runs right out the door. She hightails it right out of there. It is quick. And Stefan is like, oh no. He's like, that's not a good trade at all. Stefan says she's never going to take it to Damon. But you have to understand from Klaus's point of view, of course he's not going to let Stefan take it to Damon. Stefan would run. Yeah. That was this, this whole time that this was happening. I was like, okay, I understand that Klaus wants Stefan to turn his humanity off again, but like, how can he really know whether or not Stefan has done that? Like maybe Stefan will be able to get out of this somehow. And I think that's the whole thing with Klaus because Klaus doesn't give a shit if Damon lives or dies. It, it, that's no consequence to him. Like, he's okay if Catherine brings him the cure. He's okay if she doesn't. And if, and you know, if Catherine didn't bring Damon the cure and Damon died and Stefan got mad, guess what? Klaus would kill him too. Yeah. Like, either way, Klaus is fine. He doesn't really care. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. If Stefan had made the other decision here and said, you know what? I'm not playing this game with you. I'm going to live my life in Mystic Falls and let my brother die. Klaus would be like, well, this is no fucking fun. And now I'm going to kill you. Yeah. So then Stefan and Damon would both be dead. And then Elena would be like, well, that sucked. Elena's like, I guess I'm going to date Matt. She'd be like, I guess. Good thing my brother is still alive. Yeah. So then we go over to Damon's room and Delena stands. We are feasting tonight. Mmm, yummy. This is a very big Delena scene. It's our first Elena kiss, although it is a kiss in certain circumstances, but we'll get to it. A kiss is a kiss is a kiss. Ain't that the truth? It's not like our first Elena kiss, quote unquote, that was actually a Colena. Is that the word? Well, Colena's Catherine and Elena. Oh, oops. Catherine, <laughs> uh, I think. I don't Dathrin. know. It, it, was a, it was a Catherine and Damon kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <Kalena>. <laughs> I really thought I served. I really thought I did it the first try. I know I can tell. So Damon says, you know, this is more pitiful than I thought. And Elena says, there's still hope. And, you know, they're laying in bed next to each other. Damon is just drenched in sweat. And Damon says, I made a lot of choices that got me here. I deserve to die. And Elena says, no, you don't. Yeah, She's like, she's like look, I'm mad at you sometimes, but I don't want you to die. Like, come on. But Damon says, you know, I do. And it's OK, because if I had chosen differently, I wouldn't have met you. He says, sorry, again, he says, I've done so many things to hurt you. And she says, it's okay because I mean, what can she say at this point? And she says, I forgive you. And he says, I know you love Stefan and it will always be Stefan. And she cuddles with him. She gets a little closer. She hugs him because he Mm -hmm. needs it. And he says, but I love you and you should know that. And she says, yeah, of course I know that. Everybody knows that. She says, yeah, I've known that for a while. She says, but- I do. It's a sweet moment, but it is like. But she's like, I get why I need to react to this. And then he says, you should have met me in 1864. You would have liked me. His whole thought process is that he's not good enough for Elena. He doesn't deserve her. And he was like, you know, in 1864, before I let all of this get to me and before I had to be manipulative and powerful and kind of turn into who I thought Catherine would want if I ever met her again like I was a good person and like that's who you deserve but Elena says I like you now just the way you are and that's all Damon really wanted was just to have someone who like in spite of everything he does it like still likes him and sees the good in him and he looks like he's about to fall asleep he looks like he's like literally at death's door Yeah. And Elena gives him a small, small kiss. It's very tender and sweet and quick. And Damon says, thank you. And she says, you're welcome. Because it's like, well, he's going to die. Like, I want him to at least have a happy last moment. Same with Damon giving Rose a nice little dream. Mm -hmm. It's like very sweet. And Elena stands, we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, Catherine's in the doorway and she says, you should thank me. And I I like to think Catherine had been there for a while. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, I think if I let this play out a little bit, they might kiss. Yeah, she wants them to kiss because, again, if Elena's with Damon, Stefan's wide open, Mama. Stefan's up for grabs, baby. And she's like, (laughs) Catherine's like, how long should I wait for this to play out? And as soon as she saw the kiss, she says, perfect, I'm done here. She said, okay, that's all I needed. Catherine turns to Elena and says, I thought you were dead. And Elena says, yeah, I was. And Damon says, you got free? And Catherine says, yep. And she feeds him the cure. And he says, you still came? And she says, yeah, I owed you one. I think you owed him quite a few more than one, Catherine, but at least it was enough. This is a big one. (laughs) I was pretty confident David was not going to die from this werewolf bite. So it seemed that Catherine was going to bring it there. But I was, you know, it's still questionable with Catherine at best. But I do think Catherine was like, look, I did did really uh, do a number on y'all a couple days ago i had to do what i had to do but i understand that was a lot so i think it's fair for me to yeah. to you know pay it back at least a little bit yeah and elena says hey where's stefan katherine says you sure you care <laughs> and elena is like oh no <laughs> elena's no, like no, no, oh god no, no, no. here we fucking go i'm gonna hear about this forever She's like, this this was a problem and then katherine says oh he's paying for this which is the cure and then she says, aka, he's giving himself over to Klaus. And I honestly wouldn't expect him back here anytime soon. And Catherine is like kind of rubbing it in her face because, yeah, she's not with Stefan either, but Elena's not. Yeah. Catherine's like, look, I would love to be with Stefan, but it'll circle back eventually. But you, you're out of luck, babe. Yeah. The next best thing is Elena not being with Stefan. Yeah. So she she's still one today. Yeah. <laughs> she got out of Klaus's apartment and Elena doesn't have Stefan. Catherine really had a good day today. Overall. Yeah. She was in a good mood. That's why she brought the cure over. She was like, I'm winning regardless, babe. And yeah, she said, I got to <laughs> The universe wants me to give back today. Yeah. <laughs> and Elena says, hey, what do you mean he gave himself over? And Catherine says he sacrificed everything to save his brother, including you, by the way. Good thing you have Damon to keep you company. This is so mean to be like, yeah, he doesn't care about you because he sacrificed you for Damon. It's like, okay, that's reaching. But either way, he's he's not there right now. <laughs> yeah. And Catherine says, all right, well, bye. Oh, also, it's okay to love them both. I did. (laughs) And Elena hates this because she doesn't like being even at all similar to Catherine. Yeah. And also, you can have your opinion over the course of the show. Many fans do about when Elena fell in love with Damon, when she realized she was in love with Damon. But you know, she has a connection with Damon and it's a source of insecurity that she would be the kind of person who would break either of their hearts in that way. And she kind of knows she has the capacity for it. So she is not happy to hear it from Catherine. Well, I think at this point, she I don't think she would say she's in love with Damon. I do think at this point she would say she like loves Damon and cares about him. Yeah. But very much in this, I think at this point she would consider it family or platonic. I think even platonic is not quite enough for what she would feel. But I do think she, you know, she would admit it, but she also has known Damon is in love with her. This wasn't a secret to her. I mean, we think back to the beginning of this season when she found out that Damon thought he kissed her and she was like all shocked. And he was like, well, is it crazy that I thought you would kiss me? Like she's known that he has at least some sort of feelings for her. And she's not like entertaining it really, but she's also not shutting it down because Mm -hmm. she cares about him. She doesn't want to. And so I think this idea that her not shutting it down, well-being with Stefan well, not heavily shutting it down. She has like said a couple of things that have been like, calm down, Damon. But I think the fact that she knows it and hasn't been like staunchly against it and put that wall up is a source of insecurity for her. Like, is that fair to Stefan? And yeah. to be, to have Catherine tell you that like, wow, well, guess you love both of them. Cause she, like that hurts Elena cause she yeah. doesn't want to be Catherine. She doesn't want to treat them the way Catherine treated them. Um, and there's mm-hmm. obvious comparisons to Catherine because they look alike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Elena and Damon sit with that little zinger of an exit line from Catherine. And Damon's kind of sitting there pretending that he's still groggy. Like he maybe didn't hear all that. He's, he's looking like, uh, that was weird. I barely listened to that. Like, hey, but what did like, she say? And also, what do you think about it? Yeah, but he's also like, do you have anything to, to say? He's like, look, I I was about to die, but I I do know that you kissed me. (laughs) Yeah, that I remember. I know that wasn't a dream. I'm holding that nice and close. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go to some warehouse or something where there's a bunch of storage containers full of coffins. And Klaus talks to Elijah's gray body in a coffin and says, I suppose, brother, you've been reunited with our family. We get the wordplay, Klaus. You're very funny. It wasn't like that creative and klaus closes the coffin directs some minion to put him with the others and says we'll leave in town tonight and stefan gets a text from elena that says damon's okay and also where are you and klaus says oh did Katarina make it in time and stefan says you know you're not gonna see her again right <laughs> and klaus is like we'll just see when <laughs> klaus says oh because she's on brevain and stefan's like huh And Klaus is like, look, I've been around a long time. I rarely get played for a fool. Plus, she's not going to get far. You're going to help me see to that. And I'll say this might be a useful time for Catherine to hang out in Mystic Falls a little bit longer. Because obviously the assumption is she's going to run. And that many times would be smart. But this time it's like, "Mm, maybe I'll just stay put for a little bit. Yeah, at this point, I mean, it's funny because the curse is broken. But Klaus is like, oh, no. I still want Catherine dead. I'm so pissed. Yeah. He's like, it took me 500 years longer than I wanted it to. Yeah. So I'm still pissed. Well, at this point, does Klaus know Elena's alive? No, he does not. Okay. That's our understanding. I mean, he hasn't referred to it. Yeah. Our understanding is that he thinks Elena's dead. And Stefan asks Klaus, like, hey, what do you really want from me? And Klaus says, all will be explained in time once we leave this town. Do you have any assumptions about what that means? Because it feels like fun henchmen is a pretty obvious leap. Yeah. So why does Klaus feel the need to say all will be explained? Well, I think it's clear from the way he talked about Stefan that he knows so, like a substantial amount about Stefan's history. Stuff that he couldn't have learned from researching this group, which he clearly researched this group when he came to town, but stuff far before this time. You know, it was always kind of weird. Like, why would the originals care about the Salvators because they're just like two random vampires. But there's clearly more to it than that for Klaus because he mentions one example of Stefan killing a bunch of people, but he clearly has multiple examples that make Stefan with him being a selling point. So there must be some sort of either Salvatore family history or someone Stefan has interacted with through the years that makes him of use to Klaus. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't know what that is, but yeah. I do think it's, It's got to be something that Stefan did somewhere along the way, likely when his humanity was off. I don't know. Maybe he like took care of one of Klaus's enemies that was like really slippery for Klaus to get and Stefan just happened to kill them or something like that. Something that like, Stefan ended up being really helpful, even though he like obviously didn't know he was doing that because he didn't really even know Klaus existed. It's kind of iconic that Stefan had no idea Klaus existed and Klaus was like obsessed with him. I was like, oh my God, Stefan Salvatore. I am such a fan. I literally love your work. Yeah. Uh, and it also, you know, that it, that would color why he wouldn't have killed Stefan at this point, because there were multiple points in this when it would have been just as easy to kill Stefan. Exactly. So there might be something specific that the Salvators that the Salvators can have, And it must have something to do with what Stefan Dibble, his humanity was turned off. Because if it was just a Salvatore thing, then he would have saved Damon of his own volition. Mm -hmm. Or he would have done something that made sure Damon got saved rather than just like, oh, we'll see what Catherine does, you know? Yeah. So it must be something Stefan's done along the way in his life. Sure. So Stefan says, okay, can we go then? And Klaus says, you know, not quite. I have a gift for you. And he calls over a random human girl. And he says, you know, I just want to make sure you're going to honor a deal and be of use to me. Basically, Klaus wants Stefan to kill this girl because he's like, you can drink all the blood bags in the world. I want you to prove to me that you can kill with no hesitation, which is a useful thing to have. So Klaus bites her first and he says, you know, I could have compelled her to behave, but a real ripper enjoys the hunt. So then Klaus lets the girl go. And of course, she tries to run and Stefan chases her down and bites her and she falls to the ground, presumably dead. And Klaus says, OK, now we can go. You know, maybe this is me just being hopeful. But I do feel like before Stefan bit her, he kind of looked at her in a way to be like, I'm really sorry about this. I wouldn't kill you if it was not absolutely necessary. Because I do, you know, there is still this potential. You know, Stefan, we've seen how he has handled human blood before. Mm hmm. And that it's just easier to turn off his humanity. But he has a lot more to fight for and live for at the moment. So there is potential that he's not turning his humanity off. And he's just choosing to deal with this guilt, hopefully in the short term and get away at some point, you know, do you think he's going to keep his humanity on? I think it depends how long it takes him, because I think if he's doing this constantly, we all know Stefan guilt haze weighs on him extremely heavily And at a certain point, it's really hard to be carrying that around with you, especially if he's moving from town to town with Klaus, constantly killing people. So I think he's going to try to keep his humanity on as long as possible. I do think it's still currently on. But I think Klaus doesn't really care if it's on right now, because I think Klaus is like, you know, you'll be around long enough. We'll be doing enough stuff that eventually it's going to be easier for you to turn this off and you're just going to make that call on your own. Mm -hmm. I think Stefan is trying not to. And I, I do think it's on at the moment, but I think it's. Going to be a hard vote for him because he's going to really be having to carry all that guilt, although he'd have to carry that guilt afterward if he turned it back on anyway. So, yeah, ain't that the truth? So then we go over to the Gilbert house. Jeremy is asleep, and then a shadow whooshes past and his eyes open. He rolls over, he says, Alaric, and he gets up and walks to the hallway and looks around. Behind him, someone appears, but he doesn't see them. And at the time, all we see is brown, curly hair. And the assumption we, of course, are expected to make is that it's Catherine. Who else has been invited in? Who else do we know? Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like, well, it's weird that Catherine would be here, but it's not like impossible. Like mm-hmm. it's obviously a vampire, but Catherine's the only one we can think of off the top. And then he walks around and behind him, Vicky appears. I had the biggest little smile on my face. I was so excited for you to see her. I could tell when you saw her, it took you a second to be like, wait. That's like, I think that's Vicky. And then it's like, that is Vicky. I'm already in a pretty good mood at this point because Jeremy's alive. But then I saw Vicky and I was so excited. I was so happy. And I will say my immediate reaction to this is like, oh, so he can see ghosts now. And then he goes downstairs. Vicky calls out to him. And then he turns around and he sees Anna. And I have a whole nother smile on my face. Two of my favorite girls in the whole universe in the Gilbert house. So Anna and Vicky are there and that's where we end the episode. So let's talk about this first because it's our cliffhanger for season three. Mm -hmm. So your automatic assumption is that these two are ghosts that Jeremy can now see potentially because he came back from the dead. Yeah. And I do have reasoning for why I think this is essentially confirmed. I would love to hear it. So in theory, you know, we, we can't fully get rid of the idea that maybe these two came back to life. We have to consider that. Yeah. It's a supernatural show. Yeah. Even though Anna was burned and staked and Vicky was staked and they found her body later, we still have to entertain that thought. Now, Anna has been invited into Gilbert House. So in theory, she could have been in here. I don't believe, and I might be misremembering, but I don't think Vicky was ever invited into the Gilbert House as she was a vampire because she was staying at the Salvatore House the whole time and Jeremy didn't see her till he was at the school where she eventually was killed. That is excellent investigative journalism. It, it came to me. I feel very confident in it. So I do believe that these two are ghosts or the, in some way interacting with him as spirits. So do you think ghosts are going to be a thing we see more of in season three? Do you think we're going to see more characters who died come back as ghosts? You know, we don't know for sure if they uh, have been wandering around the Gilbert house or other places they've been in life before. It's possible that they haven't been and they know what happened to Jeremy. And now they're like, oh great, now he can see us. Mm, you know, like, so now let's, let's head right over, you know? Do you think um, they have an objective for talking to Jeremy other than seeing him? Do you think they have something they want? Generally, I think in ghost lore, we do get into this. Like there's a reason that a ghost wants something unfinished business. Um, It could be a purgatory situation that they haven't fully passed on because of some reason or another. Um, It could also be a situation that they're just able to kind of toggle between the spirit world and either they want something from jeremy or they just want to be able to you know say like i don't blame you for me dying or things like that you know there, there may just be a push that now that he can see them it's like well i would i'll like i'll go see jeremy now he can see us i love to be able to see someone from my human life that i wasn't able to before mm-hmm. so i think there's uh, either potential essentially uh, Cause I'm not sure exactly what the objective would be besides wanting to fully pass on to an afterlife. Since it is the end of season two, I want to talk reflections on season two and expectations for season three. So let's do like our best and worst of season two. So what was your favorite episode of this season? Ooh, I'd have to look through the list. Now that we've seen it all, that's the part of IMDb you can look at. But we had, we had so much in this season. Yeah, like literally think to the beginning of the season. Yeah. Our biggest problem was Catherine was in town. Yeah, my immediate reaction, and I, I'm I'm going to look through the list in case this changes, but the top ones that stick out to me, obviously Brave New World, Caroline Heavy episode. I have to mention it. I will say, despite the, the ridiculousness of Caroline singing Eternal Flame, and I said this when we talked during episode 16, that it is one of my favorite episodes because it was just craziness start to finish that's the episode where luke and dr merton were killed and Isabel shows up at the very end the other one sticking out is when they're trapped when caroline gets trapped in the rv by the werewolves and a lot of the werewolves die and then of course the last dance so the decade dance episode great episode. Uh, i think was a top one but i i think if i have to pick um one or two I, i'm saying one or two because i have two brave new world and the last dance so great caroline process. heavy bonnie heavy Not shocking that I picked those (laughs) my favorites of the season masquerade classic episode. Yeah, that was seven and season two, episode 21. The sun also rises flawless episode of supernatural teen television. Great drama, storytelling deaths with powerful payoffs. Excellent drama. I just think one of the best episodes of this show is the sun also rises. I will agree with that, but I'm still a little raw on Jenna to to have said that. Yeah, Um, I, I think that's a fair point. And I think as I look back on this season later on, I'll probably lean that way. But I'm still I'm still very much mourning Jenna. So let's talk. I think this is a pretty obvious answer. What do you think is the saddest death of the season? It was Jenna. It's Jenna. It wasn't close. I can't even think of another death that mattered nearly as much. You know, Mason, who cares? Jules, who cares? Any yeah. werewolf, who gives a fuck? Um, Rose. Eh, I felt bad for Damon, but I didn't mind seeing her go. Yeah. So yeah, Jenna it's is Jenna. Jenna is obviously the saddest. And I I have been thinking about it all week since last week when we recorded that. I it is embarrassing the amount of times I have looked at Sarah Canning's Instagram just to calm myself down because I'm like, like no, she's alive, she's, she's good. Okay. Look, she just went like to a concert. She she's good. Like, I literally had to like I had to fix that. And I that's the, I did that same thing when Vicky died. I had to look at Kayla Yule's Instagram because I was like, I just need to soothe my brain a little bit with this. I need to know they grew older. Like yeah. these, so these are the I, I think the top two saddest deaths. So I think Jenna's the only one who's reached that level of sadness but we still got six seasons left, baby. I, I know, yeah. So I, I'm sure I'll have other answers, but Jenna's certainly up there. And I think a lot of it is because of just kind of the way it went down. I keep thinking about it of like her have like her potentially turning off her humanity in that moment, her having to be so scared and wanting to protect Elena. And just, there was nothing anyone could do to save her. Yeah. And also to, you know, it's a very sad death, but to also think of it like, well, who else, like, I would have been more sad at any other person. And then I feel guilty for that because I feel bad for Jenna. Yeah. It was just, it was by far the saddest one of the season, I think. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have a different opinion. No, I don't have a different opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, the saddest death of the season was John Gilbert. Are you kidding? The way I already <laughs> forgot he died. Yeah. Bye. Best death of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Up the with happiest Isabel. death of the season is a tie between John and Isabel. John was the happiest Isabel was the funniest yeah I I still giggle when I think of Isabel's death and I'm sorry to miss thing but it was funny (laughs) comedy icon (laughs) also let's talk favorite couples this was a big season for some couples who I know you are a big fan of and I guess for the so couples we have Marilyn (laughs) um (laughs) not that one (laughs) for Wood, which is Caroline and Tyler, Bonnie and Jeremy, Bearamy, I think, Um, Jenna and Alaric, Elena and Stefan, of course, Elena and Damon, of course, Catherine and Stefan, Amy Bradley and Tyler Lockwood, Amy Bradley and Matt Donovan, uh, Amy Bradley's friend and Jeremy. (laughs) A lot of great couples this season. who is your favorite couple? Oh, Catherine and Mason, let's not forget. Jimmy and Merla. (laughs) I will take Delena out of the running because I don't think we really had enough Delana. Oh, one to- more couple, sorry. <laughs> no. Dana and Chad. Oh, I was like, who the fuck are they? Dana and uh, Chad from Third Period. Yeah. But So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Delena out of the running simply because I you know, we it's a slow burn and it's not fair because obviously it's Delena. Um yeah. I'm I'm always watching for Delena. You know? It's gonna have to be forward. Interesting. I know that you were expecting me to say Bonnie and Jeremy. I was. Uh, I know that that was, uh, this is the big upset of season two. The thing about Bonnie and Jeremy, I like them. I think they're a good couple. I I don't like feel as attached to them. I feel like, yeah, I I, like, I don't dislike them. I'm not like dying for them to break up, but I'm also not convinced they're going to be together for the whole series. Uh, I think it's very unlikely they would be just throwing that out. But Caroline and Tyler, I think both went through major life changes and were there for each other in ways that no one else was able to be there for them and just have this same, I think, I wouldn't even say they're super positive people, but both of them in this situation were very realistic while also like being optimistic. Mm -hmm. And I think that worked together for the two of them. And I think also because though Delena is a slow burn, I think these two are a sexual tension vibe that is a little bit more fun. So that's why I liked them personally, in addition to Delena, And I will say Stefan and Catherine are up there for me because I do think Stefan and Catherine are a fun little couple. I think it's a good match. Stefan would hate to hear me say this. You're not alone in that opinion. Yeah, I think that I liked them together. You know who kind of shares that opinion? Paul Wesley. Love that. Sometimes on Instagram Live, someone's like, oh, do you ship Stefan and Catherine? He's like, I think Stefan could use a little fun. So, uh, Paul, call me. We can discuss it on the podcast. Yeah, Paul, hop on. (laughs) Let us know your thoughts. Who's your favorite couple? Oh, my forward is my favorite couple of the season, (laughs) I think. You know, I go back and forth on all of these couples, but also, you have to remember, my opinion on these couples also depends. I can't take out later developments of these couples. Yeah. I do stand by, this is no, I can't say that. Um, I do stand by Stellana for this season. You know, as much as I am a Delena girl, because, you know, I love a toxic man. Yeah, You have to appreciate Stellana for what it for what they are and what they're willing to do for each other. And, and there I there is a lot of true love there. And I do um, have a soft spot for Jenna and Alaric, even though we don't have a lot of time to spend with them you know, we didn't, we don't get a huge peek into their relationship other than like, they're the two adults who hang out with this group. So they're kind of together, but gun to my head, if I have to pick a favorite couple, really, it's easy. John and Isabel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, of course. I, one thing about me is I would love a man to be as in love with me as John is with Isabel. No, it's a little much. Yeah, actually, if someone was that in love with me, I'd be like, leave me alone. My favorite couple is Isabel and her henchman who carries all her luggage. My favorite couple is Luca and Bonnie. Oh, <laughs> That's mean. Rest in, in peace, Luca. It. No, it's funny. It's only mean because I don't like Luca. Yeah, sorry, Luca. Dead, so I feel bad. Yeah. Rest in peace. It's okay. He's a fake character. so it's... <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't really important. No, wait, wait. My favorite couple is Andy and Damon. <laughs> oh, yeah. where's We haven't seen Andy in a while. That's true. I don't know what Andy's been up to. Uh, whenever we don't see her for a while, I'm like, did she die? And I forgot. Yeah. Because, you know, she's kind of an easy one to kill. Can you imagine if Andy was the vampire who got sacrificed? That would have been too easy. Yeah. No one would have, everyone would be like, oh. And she'd be like, hey, Elena, I know you. And Elena would be like, who are you? Elena would be like, I, I'm sorry, I can't place you. <laughs> I think you mean Catherine. No, Elena. We've <laughs> met many times. Yeah, we're friends. And Elena's like, I don't think I we I don't are. think we are. <laughs> and finally, favorite moments, highlights. Anything that comes to mind, this can be anything. My highlights, of course, Caroline singing Eternal Flame. You have to love that. I do think Jenna's death is a great moment, although I know it is sore and sad right now. Yeah. And Caroline's, I mean, a lot of Brave New World, a lot of Caroline's stuff that she does by herself, great moments. A lot of Caroline's growth. Many fans of the show who were anti Caroline in season one find themselves pro Caroline by the end of season two as they should. I can't imagine ever having been anti Caroline. If that's you, I really don't explain it to me. Cause I, I won't understand it. Yeah. Um, I don't care what you say. It makes no sense. Um, I will say one top moment, uh, Alura killing Elijah the one time and that whole switcheroo where they take the dagger out the first time and they don't know. And then Elena pretends to kill herself great stuff. And actually the whole episode where Elijah explains Klaus's backstory is very fascinating to me. I think one of the greatest moments of the season is the reveal that the curse of the sun and the moon is fake. Oh yeah. I think that's the best twist of the season because Mm -hmm. it is hysterical. And one of those things that like makes a lot of sense when you're thinking about it and is one of, but you would never guess it because you're like, well, why would they just make up a curse? Yeah. You're watching the show and you're like, I get the point of this curse is so vampires can walk in the sun and werewolves can change at will. But you're like, but I know vampires have daylight rings, so I don't understand why the vampires care about this curse. Yeah, like, why would the vampires want to do it? And they kind of say like, oh, they're like, oh, well, then we have to stop the werewolves from turning. And it's like, okay, like that does make sense. It makes enough sense that you accept it. But then as soon as it's fake, you're like, of course it's fake. That didn't make enough sense. It's like the good place twist where you notice some inconsistencies, but you're kind of like, oh no, well- It's a TV show. It's a TV show. Who cares? It's like an inconsistency. It doesn't matter. And then you're like, okay, no, that was actually incorrect. Um, I will say another top moment when Catherine reveals to Stefan that she never compelled him. Oh yeah. And that whole scene of her being in the dungeon pretending to be weakened by the Vervain. Incredible. Iconic. I mean, we have to appreciate all that Catherine did this season- I just love Catherine. That's obvious. I've made that very clear. Mm -hmm. And so that makes that a top moment. Another top moment for me is the scene when Damon kills Jeremy. I've blocked that out of my head. I know because you want to forgive Damon. All of a sudden you're so pissed off at Liz Forbes for killing Jeremy. She's not the first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but Jeremy's ring protected him from Damon. And also I said this when. Brady came out and shot Caroline in the fucking head. Something about a gun on this show is so much more aggressive than anything else. Like, you know, we see neck snapped, we see her stripped out, whatever. And then a gun comes out and I'm like, whoa, that was too far. Another top moment. Speaking of deaths, when Elijah just slaps Trevor's head, clean off his body. (laughs) Incredible. That is iconic behavior from Elijah. (laughs) Oh, and another one of my favorite moments of the season, one of my favorite line readings in the entire Vampire Diaries show is when Elena wants to get Slater's computer password and she's talking to his girlfriend, who is fake grieving. And she says, do you have his password? And she says, my boyfriend was just killed. And Elena says, I understand that. Do you have his password? (laughs) (laughs) Truly iconic. Um, And this is just a big season of Nina Dobrev acting her little booty off. I mean, she was serving. This is a pretty flawless season of television, season two. I would make the argument. I mean, season one is great, but season two is pretty flawless, in my opinion. And I think season two takes things from season one that were really positive. I think one of the things about the show that I really enjoy is constantly like reevaluating the stakes, making the stakes very high. And so when you think you have an easy way out of something, like you can't have this easy way out because- This, this high stakes thing that is going on elsewhere. And I think season one set up a lot of that and this season just took that and ran with it in a, in a way that mm-hmm. like really, really took off as a show. So I want to close it out by saying expectations for season three. Who do you think our big villains are going to be? What do you think, if you had to predict like what you think an arc might be in season three, what couples do you think might emerge? What transitions do you think we might see? I mean, just what are you what are you expecting from season three? What do you predict based on whatever you want to base it on? So I have a couple of thoughts off off the top, off the dome. One, I do think Klaus is going to remain a major villain for the next season. I think whatever he has planned for Stefan is going to take quite a bit of time. That's not to say that he won't be back in Mystic Falls. I think he will be. As well as, you know, I don't think Catherine is gone by a long shot. Um, I think she's going to be avoiding Klaus, but I, I do think we'll see her again. I'll also throw out, we have one werewolf that we know right now, Mr. Tyler Lockwood. Some werewolves got to get turned into hybrids. And it would be very handy in the future if they had a hybrid in their little group who could provide cures for werewolf bites. So I'm thinking Tyler Lockwood at some point in season three will become a hybrid. Interesting. That's one thought. I do think we'll have to see kind of how this Jeremy consequences manifest, what exactly Mm -hmm. that means, whether this becomes sort of a Long Island medium situation. In addition to that, even if the ghosts are not, I I don't, I, calling them ghosts, I feel like almost undercuts it because I feel like there's something more complex at play. I'm calling them ghosts for now because I don't know if there's a special word. But I do think if the ghosts are part of the show, whether this translates to a wide range of ghosts coming out of the woodwork to talk to Jeremy because they need something, or whether it's just people that interacted with him or want to share a message to someone he knows, something like that, I do think the fact that both Vicky and Anna are able to talk to Jeremy at this current moment, that may prove difficult for another relationship with him. And I think that's going to be a weird thing for Bonnie because- Interesting. And I do think this potential Bonnie will be able to see these ghosts as well. So it's unclear exactly what this means in terms of who can see ghosts, how that plays out, what the ghosts can do, if anything. Like if they can really haunt in the traditional sense. Did I already ask you- do you think with the introduction of these ghosts, as we call them now, do you think we're going to see more of them than just Vicky and Anna? I think if it's a situation where they have some kind of final task they need to do or something, there is potential we could see someone like Jenna who wanted to come back and say, like, I'm so sorry this happened or blah, 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 whatever. Or someone like Dr. Merton and Luca coming back and saying, like, hey, did you save Greta? Uh, no. But maybe they want to know. Although I guess if they're in the afterlife, they probably already know that. They ran into Greta's ghost and they're like, oh. They're like, oh my God, we're so sorry we couldn't save you. And she said, oh, who told you I want to be saved? She said, fuck y'all, I miss my boyfriend. And they're like, who's your boyfriend? And she said, Klaus. And they said, what? Or if there's, I mean, we saw Klaus put Elijah's body into a storage container, essentially, in a coffin. We know. You pull that dagger out. Elijah pops back up. So perhaps Elijah's ghost comes to Jeremy and says, hey, I can help you out because I do think Elijah will be back. I don't think that he's by any means done. So I think that's something that happened. I also think there's a lot of questions in terms of where this whole original's family is being kept. They're clearly all in coffins. We know originals can't be burned and we know they can be killed by this white oak tree or the dagger. And from what you've said and what we've kind of talked about, it seems like there's one dagger, but we can assume that Klaus killed all these vampires with the white oak tree before. Now they are originals. So I get it's one tree that could kill them. We can assume with wooden stakes taken from this tree. I think it's very possible that for an original, the stake has to stay in the same way the dagger has to stay in. Gotcha. So I do think some of this original family could be popping back up next season as well, which could be of a, a issue to Klaus. I mean, they can't kill Klaus. They can definitely complicate his life. Cause at this point he has one dad girl. He can only re-kill one at a time, if that would happen. So far, we have only seen temporary ways to kill someone. Like they're for all intents and purposes dead, but you pull it out and they're alive. Do you think there's a way to kill an original permanently? I think there has to be. I- I've said this in different ways throughout the season. If I'm Klaus or even Elijah, if I know of a permanent way to kill me, why would I tell anyone? I, I wouldn't give that information up. I would keep that close to the best. Although I would think if there were a permanent way to kill Klaus, Elijah might have tried something earlier. But at the same time, Elijah has to know he's not quite as strong as Klaus and having more people and this specific time would be useful to him. So I think there is still potential. I think this potential to kill originals. I think Klaus might be a special case because he is a hybrid now. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe that all the witches in the world, the only balance they could come up with was a single dagger. That seems fake to me. Seems awful convenient for the originals is all I'm saying. I think that's a great point. But that's the end of season two. It's crazy. We've already watched two whole seasons and it's just wonderful. Next up is season three, which I will say another great season. I think seasons two and three are my favorite of the show. We'll see after Mm -hmm. the rewatch of three how I feel. Actually, no, that's a lie. This is a weird opinion. So fans who are listening, I'm sorry to say it. Season four is my favorite season. And fans of the show will think that's a weird decision. Maybe it is, but it's my favorite. But it's your decision. It's our podcast. We can say what we want. Yeah. Um, don't send me hate for it. But season two and three, I think, are the most universally beloved gold standard. There are a couple episodes I am particularly excited for us to get to, as I am every season. I won't tell you which ones until we get there. Yeah. But it's a great season coming up. And I am excited to meet, you know, there's always new people every season. And I. you can cut this if you would like. But there's one particular actress who I know is going to be on the show and I feel convinced it's season three. You say which a- actress it is out of pure curiosity. I don't know the actress's name, but she played Samara on Pretty Little Liars who dated Shay Mitchell briefly or, or, on the show. Let me look up her name. The actress's name is Claire Holt. Oh, okay. She was also in H2O, Just Add Water. Okay, I was going to say, I've heard that name somewhere. I didn't know she was on H2O, good for her. I will also say... I do think the beginning of season three is going to be really heavily focused on getting Stefan back from Klaus, essentially. I do think that's going to be a major point. And unfortunately for Stefan, uh, it will require Damon and Nelena to work together. And we know about, uh, one thing about those two, if they spend enough time together, they're going to be some sparks, baby. Mm -hmm. And as as a whole, season two, like, had Delena moments, but not nearly as many Delena moments as season one, I would argue. And I do think we're going to start Really getting into Delena in season three. I mean, I've I've been in Delena. That's not a secret, and I will continue to be. But I think I'm going to be more justified in season three. Yeah, <laughs> with Stefan out of town. Yeah, when the cat's away, the mice will play, baby. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> but that's the end of season two. It's been a great ride. Thank you guys for coming along with us. um We'll be back for season three. Of course, it's not over. As always, if you are enjoying The Vampire Diaries or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. You can stay plugged in through the week and you can relive season two while you're waiting for us to start season three. Exactly. But that's it for this week. So until next week and until next season, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.